Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project Podcast. Today, I'm with Heather Ash Amara, and I'm so excited to bring her voice in unison with all of the other voices. I've had the honor of having so many incredible guests on the podcast. So I want to take a minute and introduce her and also just really welcome in all of these threads of conversation that we've been weaving together over the course of the last three years together. There's so much here about remembering and taking a descent and returning to Mother Earth and all of the ways that we've been brought through kind of this collective dark night of the soul And really what I call and often refer to as the return of the sacred feminine to our consciousness. So it's with great honor, again, that I welcome Heather Ash and the conversation she and I will be creating today. She's just a wealth of information and all of her writings are so rich and relevant for all of the conversations we've been having She's a best-selling author, mentor, land steward, and philanthropist. She has spent the last three decades weaving together earth-based wisdom, mindfulness, and practical strategies for creative, courageous, and compassionate individual and community change. She's the author of nine books, including the best-selling Warrior Goddess training series, and the seven secrets of happy and healthy relationships with Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. So welcome, Heather Ash. Thanks so much, Monica. I'm so glad to be here on the Revelation Project podcast. Yay! <laughs> yay, yay. And I'm like, finally, and thank you to the many who worked to get us together because it does take a village sometimes, all the time, actually. This one definitely <laughs> took a village. Yes, yes it does. Glad, it does. Glad we're here. I sure am. Yes. And um, gosh, Heather Ash, I want to just start by presencing what you've been through over the last few years, because there's this way that I think we can make up that those who have, I think, in our own minds made it, that there's no longer challenges And of course, we all know that that's not the way it goes, you know, when we actually settle in, that there's always, I think, an invitation to know ourselves in different capacities. And so I really think it's so ironic that you have this relationship to the element fire, and you were really taken through the fire, literally, as you navigated the wildfires that really dramatically altered your life. So I wondered if we could just start there and just hear kind of where this journey has taken you up until now. Mm, Yes. One of my deep 
therapist loves and teachers is fire. I've been facilitating fire walk ceremonies for, I don't know, 35 years now. And had one of those experiences as a young woman where I went to a fire walk, not really knowing what was, even what it was or what it meant and coming out the other side different and really recognizing possibility, potential, seeing the places I'd limited myself. And I committed to the fire as a really conscious choice to be a a steward of fire, a, a one that brought fire more into the world and and held its transformational energy with people. So that's that background. About four years ago, uh, a small group and I bought a piece of property outside of the Sangre de Cristo Mountains, uh, outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. It's 180 acres. And it's, I mean, there's so many ironies with with this because one, I'm a nomad. Like I never thought I would own anything. I have like, I'm like, why would you own land? That makes no sense. Like land can't be owned. And yet I felt very called to steward this land and to settle and to create a space of healing for people to come. So that was the vision. The vision was we're going to create a a hermitage, a retreat center. I had a five-year plan of what that was going to look like. And of course, the universe had other plans, other plans. April 6th, last year, 2022, there was a wildfire that started on Hermit's Peak. And Hermit's Peak, we can see from our lands, gorgeous, gorgeous mountain, really iconic. And I remember at the time thinking, it's far away. It's 30 miles. Like, we don't have to worry about this. And I was traveling. And what ended up happening is that the fire just completely went out of control. And it ended up being the largest wildfire in New Mexico. And where I live is very poor. It's very land rich. People have been living on that land for centuries. And the land's gotten passed down through families. It's a lot of inter, it's a Spanish, you know, Mexico from when the Spanish invaded Mexico, those folks stayed and intermarried with the indigenous people. So there's this deep, like earthy love of the land there. And the wildfire It was so devastating for so many people. And I was teaching with the Ruizes. I was actually in Sedona and we were teaching and it was early May. And all of a sudden I knew in my body, I'm like, we're going to lose the land. Mm. The wildfire is going through. There's nothing we can do. And I am one of the most optimistic people on the planet. I'm, I'm like, we can think it away. We can do prayer. We can, and I, my body was like, nope, it's done. It was a very odd feeling for mm-hmm. me to mm-hmm. realize there was actually nothing that I could do on this one. And we did do prayers. We did, we, the community really came together and, and held. But on, I think it was May 9th, I was, I've been gathering donations and really working with our, with our community to get resources for people that had been so impacted by the fire already because it had already been burning for you know three weeks or four weeks at that point. And I remember checking the map. And this is the, the, the kind of amazing thing too about modern technology is that you could see where the fire was. Mm-hmm. Like they had satellite imagery. You could see where the fire. And so there was a day when I just checked in and the fire was in my neighbor's yard. And that moment of sitting, and I was sitting at a uh, evacuation center and I was like, well, 
this would be the place to just let go because everybody's feeling like everybody knows what's going on. And so I just wept. I sat in my truck and wept and wept and wept and and then open to what do I do? I mean, part of me is like, I just need to drive to the land to be there. It's like, you can't drive to the land. to keep It's going. And so I just sat there and cried and sang to the tree and just felt how much I loved that land and how much I love the earth, how deeply I love the earth. And that there's changes happening that I wanted to not turn away from. I wanted to turn toward. I wanted to be with the destruction, be with the fire, be with the trees, and not avoid what was happening. So that has been my journey then is going from a five-year, let's create something for humans, to deep grief and really recognizing that I needed to open my vision. And to include not just the humans, but to really now, I have a more of a 50-year, 100-year plan of how do I help regenerate the land for the butterflies and for the bears and that the deer have food, regardless of what's coming. So it's taken on a whole nother life to steward something that is now 95% burn yeah, and to stay with it. There's so much coming up for me as I listen to you and just the beauty and the devastation, right? Like just together in this, in this place, as I hear you tell this story of like singing to the trees and having a reckoning with this idea of like not wanting to turn away from what was happening. And of course, some might make up that you mean just this isolated fire. But what I'm hearing is that what you are talking about is the truth of what is happening just all over the planet and no longer turning away. Because I think we can continue to think it's happening over there. It's happening somewhere else. And especially, I think, those of us who are in the healing space, it's like, oh, well, we create our own reality. And we are also all connected in this reality. And so our tools of distancing right, continue to kind of collapse along with the facade that we are insulated from it. Yeah, exactly. And there's definitely this place of, you know, as I sorted through the rubble, basically, as, as I, I walked through the ashes and realized how total the devastation was. Our, it's interesting because what was safe was the core of the a community kitchen we had built over the pandemic. So by hand, a bunch of volunteers, we had built a place and a small, you know, there's a, an island of trees and the grandma tree, like the oldest tree on the property, she survived. Everything else was wiped pretty much. And just like you're saying, Monica, what 
like as I really settled in, I was like, okay, I am, I have the opportunity to understand this is not isolated. All of us are going, going to be going through more catastrophes and more challenges in our life because of climate change. And mm-hmm. again, I am super optimistic. I also hold like something could shift and I'm also very practical. And so that like, how do I put my feet in these ashes and open to how do I metabolize this in my being so I can stay open hearted and present and not, not get completely overwhelmed and paralyzed Yeah. so that I can help others do that and metabolize what's what we're all navigating so that we can stay present and we can bring our creativity and joy even in the midst of what's happening and that we can continue to weave ourselves more tightly together with the earth. Yeah, as soon as you say that, go to the card we chose, the comic. You know, because there's also these places where we are so wrecked. I'm thinking of all that comes up for people in devastation. It's like the loss of these material things, the loss of these dreams, the loss of our the devastation and grief of kind of the collective, like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? You know, the just this really raw, gritty, messy place where we're like, in the beauty and the devastation of it, also in the polarity that is our human experience, both sometimes hating humanity in those moments where we're like, I hate that we do this. And also like this love of humanity, just this feels sometimes like this impossible place. And yet from the impossible comes I'm possible. I am possible. And that's when, you know, we remember I have what matters. I am okay. You know, like, we can do this. Don't forget to laugh, bringing some levity in, like, where we can after we've cried and cried and mourned and mourned. You know, that that's when we know that we're coming back to life, you know, is when we can find some levity, some laughter, some ways of being that are not so heavy. But first, there's this reckoning. Tell me about this grandmother tree, because... I get so curious that the grandmother tree stood, that she was all that was left. That is so, like, I have hair standing up on every patch of skin on my body. It's really, really incredible. So I didn't walk, after the fire and we were allowed back onto the, to the land after the evacuation order was lifted, I had a couple of friends that went and walked it first. I decided I'm going to send emissaries. And so, and my friend Mark came back and he just, he was very quiet and he sat next to me and I'm like, oh, it must be really bad. And he just took my hand and he said, there's probably 1% left. Mm. And the next day I left by myself and I told, we had a whole group that we were going to go up together. And I said, I need to go by myself. And I drove up. 
And I, you know, was just so grateful that the kitchen was still there and like what did survive around the, the forest around the kitchen. And then I just headed for a grandma. And she's this old, probably four to five hundred year old Douglas fir at the southwest part of the property. And as I hiked, it was just, there was like, it's so hard to describe the, what it's like to see an entire forest that is just black. It's all standing, but it's all standing black, black, black. And I remember I came over a corner and I see one green tree and I'm like, oh my God, there's a little baby tree. And it was down in an arroyo. And then I kept going and it gets worse where now like the all of the branches are burned off. The fire burned so hot, it just took everything. So I kept walking. I think there's no way she survived. Like, how is that? Would that even be possible? And I came around the corner and I just I could not believe what I was seeing. Is again in the arroyo, there she is, huge tree, and the fire went all the way around basically and actually burned her roots. Like it it did touch her. It didn't. It didn't go around, it went through. And there was some grace that just allowed these two little islands of our community center. Because I I know, I felt into it. I was like, you know, if the community center had gone down, I probably would have left. I probably would have walked away and just said, you know what, sweet, like, you just need to be on your own. For me, that would have been the message of like, nope, just walk away. But that those two things were standing, for me, that was the message of like, you need to stay and tend. And this is your mission. Like, yeah. You cannot make this shit up. I mean, it's just so... You cannot make this shit up. Exactly. It's so good. I mean, and and also even just, even just the 1%, okay? Like the 1%, right? Like how often do we hear about the 1%? But when you turn that on its head here it's like everything right yeah. it's everything and i mean mm-hmm. i even think about in my in my coaching with women it, if you could just have one percent more pleasure what would that look like it becomes this place of enoughness one percent yes right like there's yes. enough here there is there's a foothold there's a there's a sacred, yeah, exactly. There's enough. And then just blowing on that ember. Yes. Right? Just loving that. And the two things that we did after the fire, which I love my community so much. We're, we're such wacky, wonderful beings, creative beings. One is one of the women, Tara, who's a photographer. She's like, I brought bubbles. Do you think it'd be okay if we did a bubble photo shoot in the forest? So we have photos of right after the fire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of blowing bubbles and having these beautiful iridescent floating, transparent, and then all the black trees behind. And it was so joyful. And I was, and we were all like, this is what the land needs. The land needs our joy. It doesn't need, I mean, of course we're going to grieve. And for all of this to metabolize, I keep using that word because it was like to integrate all of it, we need to bring joy here. So that was one thing we did. The, the other thing we did, took us a while, we, we had to kind of all work towards this, but I had a group up there and we did a morning fire walk. Mm. So we went, 
The other thing that was totally bizarre is that there's a huge pile of wood for the wood stove that didn't get touched at all. And then other pieces of wood that got completely destroyed right around the community kitchen. I mean, the fire is really interesting what it will do. So we took the very little unburned wood that there was on the property and we did prayers and blessings with it. And we talked to the burnt trees and we offered blessings and we carried it down in the dark down to this one area by the creek that was really burnt and built a little fire and just stood and tended and breathed and stayed with that fire as it burned down. And then we raked it into a little heart Mm. and then we walked on those coals as a way to just honor fire does its thing. Yeah. And that fire is healing and fire is destructive. And I've had many people like, well, aren't you mad at the fire? Don't don't you feel like it was, you know, it's your ally. How could it have done that to you? I'm like, fire did its thing. It did it really well. Yeah. And it's not personal. It's not personal. No, I mean, I mean, even over here, I mean, there's so many, there's so much symbology here. And whenever there's symbology, you know, we, we get to create story. And it's like, what is the story we're going to choose to craft in this moment? And how can we choose the most empowering interpretation to create the most empowering story to live in? Because that story, that story becomes your begin again. It becomes the, the old, you know, we know this, you know, what is no longer serving in some way, shape or form, whether we understand it or not, has to die. And sometimes that comes by way of fire. Sometimes that comes by way of flood. Sometimes that comes by way of, but it's like, it's very, very difficult, I think, for for us to remember that there's one, that if we can remember the 1% truth in those moments that this is happening for us, even when everything else feels like it's not, that there's actually a new beginning that's wanting to invite us. I don't think we have to get there right away, but it just being conscious and aware of, you know, the opportunity to create from this devastation. Yeah, and to do that really gently I definitely am there now. Like I feel a sense of curiosity of like what is going to rise out of this. And one thing that I'm I'm really wanting to to write about more and to talk about more, especially in spiritual community, is how many people like literally my land is on fire, and people are like, "Oh, Heather Ash, there are these trees that the fire comes through and the seeds pop, so something new is going to be reborn." And I'm like. Give me a minute to grieve. Like, please stop. Yes. Because there were so many people that were like, let's look at the bright side right away. Yes. And it doesn't serve us when we do that. When we try Mm -hmm. to jump out of the grief and out of the loss and out of the confusion that we miss something really vital. And so, yes, that 1% is there. Yes, that 1% is there. And first, there's this deep, first deep grief and mourning. Yes. Yes. And we're so uncomfortable with that. We want to mm-hmm. immediately jump to 
something else. Yeah. So learning for all of us, me included, all of us, learning how to sit with other people's grief, with other people's loss, with our own, obviously, but also that we don't have to grab onto the uh, platitudes and the like, it'll be better, that what we need in the world right now is people that can turn and look at the grief, the devastation, the loss with open hearts and know you will get through this, but not say that yeah. yet. Right. But say, I see you. Yes. I see you. Yes. I'm here. What do you need? And I love the word stay and you used it because, and you also said like not turn away. So there's this stay becomes this for me distinction or mantra or when I'm in discomfort. It's like, stay, stay. There's this, I have this story of recognizing this discomfort in myself and having this vision in this moment of fracturing into all of the parts of me that want to rush off, have a drink, or the part that wants to believe that in fairy tales or the part that wants to believe that a prince is going to rescue me or the part that like there was this moment where I wrote this story where it was just like and then the wisest voice which for me is like the grandmother tree the symbology of like stay the wisdom of stay yeah and so what did that grief look like for you like how long and you're still in it there's I'm hearing that you're there's still parts that are still here for you and it's been a, it's been a yeah. year, so like there's no timing. It's been a year. Yeah, there's no timing, and it it definitely you know, grief is such a uh, a river where there's eddies, where there's places where you feel like everything's flowing, it's good, and then suddenly you're underwater. There's just it's such a journey, and so I've learned through going through a really really hard divorce that was my catalyst many years ago to being in relationship with my grief rather than bypassing it. Mm -hmm. So going through it now as a more mature human, we can say that has a better relationship with grief. You know, it's not my first round through deep grief. It's this process of like letting what wants to come up, up, and just stopping everything and letting myself feel whatever's happening and and having the grace to not try and cover it up or or think oh that I should be done with this but just to keep opening through and every time I do that there's more space there's more possibility it feels like my being is getting carved deeper in a really beautiful way to contain the contradictions. Oh, I love that. And like you were sharing earlier, I feel like all of us have the opportunity now to get stretched to hold. I don't want this to be happening. This is happening. Mm -hmm. I hate this. And there's beauty here as well. Yes. I wish this wasn't what it is, but here it is. 
And that, that, that those contradictions, just when we can stay in them, they stretch us open so beautifully. They sure do. I call it the sacred and, you know, that place where it's messy and magnificent the same time where you can just be in the all of it and give yourself permission yeah it's so beautiful and i can't help but think about francis weller's work the wild edge of sorrow because as you describe this grief it's like this wilderness it has this very kind of easy metaphor into what is organic, what is natural, these deep eddies, these rivers getting taken under, you know, flowing, carving, like there's a way that it really forges us into who we are becoming, if we allow it to, that it's got wisdom to teach us, if we are willing to go with its flow. Absolutely. Yeah, And early on, a really wonderful mentor and teacher early on, and she shared this story where she was going through a lot of grief, that she was rafting, and she's thrown out of the boat in a really intense rapid. And she goes underwater, and she was like, yep, this is just like my life right now. Like, she was in so much grief. She's like, yep, of course this happens. And she just let go and just let herself be carried by the current. And when she popped up, and they pulled her back in the boat. She had no bruises. She was compl- she was fine. And the boat, the rafters were like, that never happens. She surrendered so fully into that experience that she let it take her and then pop her up. And that, I didn't understand when she shared that, but I've really held on to that. That that for me is such a beautiful way of being in relationship with grief, of let it take you. It doesn't matter where or when, let it take you and know you're going to pop back up again. But what's tricky is that grief just as a biological, emotional, energetic energy that moves through us when it's not connected to the story or our mind is powerful, beautiful. There's this letting go into it and we come out more spacious, more loving, more Mm. joyful. That's what that's what happens. We just come out like, I'm so grateful for everything. You can see the 1%, right? And most of us have our emotional body and our mental body so tied together that we sometimes aren't actually grieving. We're thinking about grieving. Yeah, we are. Or we're cycling grieving. So we're avo- there's a way where our mind is trying to avoid it, or the mind starts telling a story about the grief, and we're again we're not actually letting ourselves go through the grief. We're staying on the surface of it. It feels terrible, and it doesn't resolve because you're actually not letting yourself go into it. How does a summer of yes sound to you? Yes to your body. Yes to joy. Yes to pleasure. Yes to sisterhood. Yes to rest and relaxation. Yes, yes, yes. This is about finding your authentic pace in a hectic world that keeps you in various states of depletion and self-abandonment. You might be thinking, how? I have work to do. Or 
summer flies by so fast as it is. And yes, it's true. And we're unbecoming from scarcity and rushing, from hating on ourselves and depriving ourselves of pleasure, space, and time. By saying yes this summer, it's about revealing a new way of being in relationship to yourself and to the world. It's about learning the truth of the magic of being full of yourself, of having your cake and eating it too. And yes, it is possible. Here are a few testimonies of women who recently completed Unbecoming. Kristen says, Embarking on the journey of unbecoming has transformed my life. I've grown immensely in so many ways, in my business leadership, my relationship with my husband, children, and friends, and in my efforts to build community. Living my truth and knowing how to follow my intuition has led me to live with joy and pleasure. Elissa shares, Thank you for being here as I found my way back home to myself, for seeing me when I wasn't able to. Thank you for witnessing me in my vulnerability and my angst, my pain and my confusion, and for showing me where to find what I've been seeking within myself. I am forever changed. And finally, Trish said, Unbecoming created space which allowed me to support and nourish the parts of me I had cast aside for so long. I've begun dropping limiting beliefs I've had about myself for years. The circle of sisterhood is powerful, raw, wild, and made of love. So I have a question for you. Are you in for the summer of yes? Apply now by going to signup.jointherevelation.com slash unbecoming. That's signup.jointherevelation.com slash unbecoming. Apply now. We begin June 6th, and we can't wait to welcome you into the circle of sisterhood. Will you say yes to you? There's also this paradox here that I want to presence, which is there's this way too that like we can be kind of holding it all on the surface of life. And like the message, I think the God is always like freaking let go, let go. There's let it go. I got this. And then we let it go and we like say yes to the mess. We surrender to the rapids or right wherever it's going to take us. And the ironic part is we come back up with the capacity to hold more, but in a different way. It's like our container, our vessel, how we are resourced has completely altered and transformed. And so the way that we were holding, which was often this white-knuckled ride through life, transforms into this open, spacious, authentic way of being in relationship with each other, with ourselves, and with the world. Yeah, and it's just so, like, beautiful. Mm, So good. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And yeah, that's really my experience of you know, being a serious overachiever. I'm right there with you. That that place of like, I can hold it all. I can hold it all. And, you know, I think the divine goddess is like, hello, hey, like right here. Yeah. 
And that when we finally do let go, my experience is then when I come back out again, I'm like, oh, she's right behind me. She's got this. I'm leaning into her. I am her. That's the capacity is that I don't think I'm this little human that has to fix it all. I'm resting and leaning back into the mama. Into the mama. And I know she's got me and that I can hold with her in a different way. In a different way. I love this. And this moves us beautifully kind of into this next place I wanted to get curious with you, which is about your relationship with the climate justice movement and what you really consider as the intersection of climate justice and the empowerment work you do with others and how that's impacted by patriarchy and any anything that you want to say to lead us into that conversation or when i was in college i studied community development which was all about the little like lo- how do you make local change how do you help create social justice at a local level how do you really learn how to root into your community to create change. And I also simultaneously studied international relations and global systems and big structures. And that's really informed so much of the work that I do that I found it's most potent when we understand that we're all navigating much larger systems than us that are old patriarchy being one of those, white supremacy, busyness culture. There's so many places where we are wired through fear. And this is part of the the Toltec work of my study with Domingal Ruiz, of this idea that often we're trained, we're domesticated through fear and scarcity. And that's a very patriarchal, there are hierarchies, there are people that are more important and less important. And my work is so deeply based in bringing us back into relationship in the circle with all of life, not just humans, but animals, spirits, ancestors, land, that there's nothing that is better or worse than. And so, as you were sharing earlier, it's really easy, especially when we have comfortable lives to mm-hmm. feel like, oh, well, climate change is out there. It doesn't really affect me. When we really start to look at the larger global system, we see climate change is an effect of a mindset, of a patriarchal mindset, of a power over mindset. And you know, patriarchy affects everybody. This is not women versus men at all. This is really understanding that we have been seeped in a belief system that if we separate ourselves and make ourselves more important than others, that we can then dominate and control, that we can dominate and control the earth, that we can dominate and control women, that we can dominate and control people that have different skin color. So we look at the whole slavery and the white supremacy, how that's been woven together as well. So this place is that they're not separate. None of it's separate. And people, you know, I know that I can get overwhelmed with like, it's all connected. Where do we start? And there's, again, that willingness to stay in the conversation, to learn, to look, to understand those larger 
systems that affect all of us. And they do affect all of us. They unfortunately, well, it's just truth. They affect usually people that are minorities or that are poor, that are on the fringes more. Mm -hmm. They get hit first, but none of us are immune and we're all connected. So having those, I think about it, I talk about it this, I almost like having double eyes. One eye, you're looking at the larger global systems and how they affect us and where we've taken those in our bodies. And with another lens, we're looking at how do we create change right here? Right. Exactly. Because I think I love that kind of envisioning those two eyes, because I think for the longest time, I could not see this hiding in plain sight, this invisible system of patriarchy and its intersectional systems at work in my life. And until I could see it, until I could reveal it, I could not begin to heal it inside of me first. And so the revelation project for me was, and I say we're all living our own revelation project, but for me, it was this idea of revealing and healing the parts of me that had been hidden kicked out of the garden, suppressed, oppressed. And in doing that, I was able to see this larger system at play and this kind of story or what I'll call a lie of scarcity that was built on this lie of supremacy. You know, that 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 all of these, you know, lies were collapsed together. And like, until I could actually look at them and really interrogate my own conditioning, I could not uncollapse and untangle, you know? And so I've kind of embraced this whole idea of saying yes to the mess and what I call the unbecoming, unbecoming from what uh, who everybody told me to be to reveal the truth of who I really am and how I do that is by using these two eyes that you speak of, you know? And really, I love that the left symbolizes the feminine, but when you get up into the brain, it's the right, you know? And so there's the feminine, the right eye, having a right relationship with the world that I think is so potent and powerful but also that that's the eye, the right brain, is what actually enables the whole community. It embraces the whole, including the masculine. And it's the left eye, the masculine eye, that's great for the detail and for seeing things logically and for ordering things. But we need that feminine to really come in and see this bigger picture and embrace all of it in order to transform it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think of those two energies as there's the linear focus, clarity, what I call that warrior energy, and the goddess energy, which is the circle. And we're all in this together. And how do we bring everybody in into that healing journey? And we need both. We need both of those energies inside of us. We need that capacity to like really focus, stay detailed right here, and then also let it all go and go, okay, let's see what's going to happen. Yeah. And so learning to be more skillful. And, you know, in the beginning, like with those two lenses, it's really easy to like get caught in one lens 
or get caught in the other. And to learn to go back and forth until it stabilizes that we can hold full. And yeah. it's awkward. It's messy. It feels weird. It feels like we're never, we're never going to be able to do that. So I'm really grateful that as a young woman, I had a lot of social justice uh, work and activism under my belt, you know, really early on, which I'm so grateful that I had that education and that, you know, marching and being out in the streets and learning. And I left that world really consciously at a certain point because I realized I'm angry. All my friends are angry. Nothing's changing. Like this Mm -hmm. is not working. We're just burning ourselves out. And that's when I started really studying different spiritual traditions and found teachers and guides. And I always knew I'll come back but I need to find how to resource myself in a different way. So I'm really grateful now to be, now I feel like, oh, okay, I can hold both now. Yes. That they're not separate and that we need the spiritual deep realm and the joy and the play and the stillness to be sustainable in creating change inside and outside. That's right. It's like, you know, really learning to dance for real, like with this, you know, whole, you know, all of these parts, but there's this way too that what you're describing, which I also love and think is so beautiful, is like I talk about what I call the trance of unworthiness. And the trance of unworthiness is this place where we're kind of just, you know, like in the comfort zone where nothing really changes. It's it's not the place of revelation. The comfort zone, I mean, you'll get an occasional one, but really it's like this wild edge again where we want to kind of head toward. That's where, you know, we have these revelations and that's where we transcend the trance and come back to the dance of life. And in all of its beauty, really, and in its beauty is the grief and everything else. It's like that, that that becomes part of the beauty. I couldn't help but notice, you know, that even in your name, right? So there's the grandmother tree, there's Heather Ash wash, walking through the ashes, your relationship to fire, you know, this phase of your life, those that know and love you know and love your work and your work with the goddess. And as you've moved more into the wise woman, right? The the archetype that kind of takes you into this. I mean, I'm I make up that this was an initiatory period. I don't know like what comes up for you and what are you starting? What's starting to stir? Because I am hearing some stirring as you talk about, you know, writing and what's next for you. And I'd love it if you want to share more. Mm, thank you. Yes, definitely. It's a wee bit of initiation. Just a wee, wee bit. Just a wee bit, just a little bit. And yeah, and of course, my name, like I am named, my birth name was Heather. So that has been my my lifelong name of this deep connection to my Scottish ancestry and roots and that plant, that beautiful, beautiful, very tenacious plant that Heather is. And I took on the nickname Ash, just from the firewalk, obviously, but also the ash tree, like the world tree, the 
in many mythologies, the ash tree is the tree that connects the underworld, the middle world, and the upper world. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of symbology in both the heather and the ash for me. And I feel like I'm stepping more into the ash phase of my life. Yeah. Let's be really literal about that. (laughs) Okay. I don't miss it, right? Like, (laughs) mama's like, let's just burn everything down. So she really claims this part of herself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Some of us, right? Just it's the universal two by four. It's like, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, thank you. I do feel like there's a an eldering process that's happening of learning how to slow down. I'm a really fast like jump, let's make change and I'm this whole process has really invited me to slow down and listen at an mm-hmm. incredibly deep level of what's next and I can't fix it. I can't. So every time I walk through the, the forest I get overwhelmed. I'm like, what do I do next? And I have to like come back to, you can't fix this, sweetheart. Like it's it's going to do its own thing. You can help. Yeah. You can be part of it. You can learn with, you can co-create. Mm. So one of the things that I'm really working with now is that how do I bring the contradictions that I've been thinking about, the messiness, the the confusion, the grief, the joy, the places where like, there's so many contradictions that are happening all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I want to really bring that through in my writing more. So I just started a sub stack. I haven't even made it public yet because I'm still kind of wrestling with it because it's just different. I, you know, I started out as a journalist and I feel like I'm coming in a circle in a way back to my journalistic roots. Mm-hmm. While I also write, I have another book coming out called Wild, Willing, and Wise, which I'm super excited about. That's, That's based awesome. on the maiden mother crone archetypes. Yeah. So I have these two things happening, which is writing. It's a very fun, uh, there's a lot of humor in that, in that book. It's different than most anything I've done. And I'm also writing these, starting to write these very serious, hard, questions how do we wrestle with these times mm-hmm. um, as well so that's yeah, these a, a coyote times me. right these oh trickster times ah yes yes yeah and how to stay joyous yes how to stay joyous and this is again where so for my listeners heather ash and i chose the comic card now it's just disappeared somewhere in in the abyss that is my <laughs> desk like, i'm gonna yeah, it's gonna, I'm going to hide because, you know, that won't that be fun? Oh, my gosh, I can't wait. So, all right. So you've got this book, The Wild, The Wily, and The Wise coming out. Yeah, yeah, Wild, Willing, and Wise. Oh, and Wild, Willing, really and Wise. Yeah, I love that. Wise. And it's all about water. That whole book is the metaphor throughout the entire book is water. Oh, my gosh. I, I am... I have been doing so many podcast episodes lately on water. And if you have not yet come across Veda Austin's work, check it out. Mm, I will. It is so amazing. She actually has this whole communication happening with water where she's figured out a way to 
speak to water and water speaks back to her. And she's been able to do it in these hieroglyphs or freeze these hieroglyphs in water. It is so cool. Ooh, I will go check it out. Ooh. And that, re- that reminds me that part of what's happening with the land right now, I wrote three affirmations. I had friends that really helped me when I was kind of in the worst of it. And they were like, okay, let's write some affirmations. And one of the affirmations was, as the land heals, the world heals. That, that I would link to like my work in the land to global. Um, and that also, one of the other affirmations was like, it's even more amazing than you could even imagine. The healing process is even more amazing than you could imagine. Mm-hmm. Well, I just connected with two women that are doing really deep work with soil restorations. And one is an indigenous woman, uh, Beato, just phenomenal, who taught me how to make seed balls, which are magic. Um, and this other incredible artist and microbiologist, ecologist, uh, Caitlin, who is doing studies on regenerating land by prayer and ritual. So what she's doing is these gatherings where people come together to talk about what they love. She's doing it in Las Vegas in my community, what they love about the land, what they lost. And then she has this quilt that she's stitching people's words of what they love about the land onto the quilt and then stuffing the quilt with fungi and microbes and sugar. And we're going to bury it on our land. So we're doing all of this ritual and ceremony to see how, and we just, she and I just walked to the grandma tree and did a bunch of soil testing that we don't have the results back yet. Just, but to see, you know, what's the soil around grandma tree versus what's the soil, what got lost, what microbes are still there, what fungi is still there so that we can then start to regenerate I I could not have dreamt that. I'm a huge visionary. I could not have dreamt that. And yet here it is. And yet here it is. Oh my goodness. Well, and what I'm also hearing is like, there's so much of the feminine in what we're talking about, actually everything. And as you start to regenerate this land and you were just sharing this beautiful story about how she's weaving this quilt, it's like, when we think about how women our herstory, that's how we told our stories was through quilting, through tapestry, through handwork. Like our stories were not in the history books. They've always been of the hands of the land, right? And as we remember, I think we are coming together in circle And we are coming together in sisterhood with our allies, you know, but that there has been this just beautiful way of that's where the skill sharing and all of the ways that we kind of come back together in community with so much intention. And I love that you call your new I've got it right here. Your new endeavor. I think it was called an intentional. What was it? Yes. Out of the fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's like just this deep intention, creative intention to really. Oh, yeah. The center of creative intent. Yes. Creative intent. Exactly. 
Yeah, that that this is creative intent. I mean, is it not? Yeah. Yes. And that's what we need is for our hearts to be, to stay open through all of it. Through the unknown. So that we can stay connected through the unknown. So we can stay connected to our intuition, to our creativity, to each other, so that we can dream in new ways. And play and explore and get curious and and really co-create. You know, this the other ironic thing about the land is my land, the ranch was burned in the 70s. So there's another huge fire that went by. And then the Boy Skate Boy Scouts came through and they planted monocropped ponderosa pines too close together. So I have the for the USDA Forest Service because it was the Forest Service fault, the whole fire that are like, oh, we'll bring you trees. And I'm like, do not get, stay away from my land. There's a way I'm like, do not touch. No, you, you're not doing the same thing. We're going to do it differently. Yeah. So more diversity, more creativity, more trying experiments to see what does the land want? More to be revealed. And what's needed. Yeah, exactly. What's needed now Yeah. versus we're not putting all these trees back on. They might not want trees. Might want something else. Yeah, the the goddess is so here in this. And again, I'm picturing you kind of leaning in or leaning back, like the the way that you were expressing that earlier. And just again, like where that that actually is the paradox to lean into the unknown. It's like these words that we don't that don't play well together or haven't up until now. And yet it becomes this place of spaciousness, this place of magic where we're actually inviting mystery to kind of come back into our purview, come back to our senses, where something new is will be born simply because we're willing to hold the paradox. Because it's in the paradox that those things come together. It's in the tension of the opposites that those things come together to create something new. And so shall it be, or even something wildly better than we could possibly imagine for ourselves. Yes, exactly. It's exciting times. It's challenging times, but it's also, these are the times where there's the most potential. Yeah, the most potential is so true. And so I do think that this, it's like kind of like, you know, happening in these pockets all over the world. And I think like as it's happening to us to just remember we're not alone, that it that this is happening. It's it's kind of like in a way it is like a wildfire that's moving all over to different territories and different elements in different ways. You know, there's there's something here that is powerful and profound and potent and all the peas. <laughs> and I also, Heather Ash, wonder, you know, is there any specific direction or invitation that you have for my listeners, for our listeners today in this beautiful conversation that you want to kind of invite them to do or to look at or take a first step? Because I think also what's here is in your story, in all of what you've shared today is a desire that others also are collaborating, you know, with you and your vision. 
Yeah. Two things come to mind is, is one of the things that we're doing up on the land is planting a lot of different things to see what comes up. And so for each of us to plant yourself in the land that you're at, wherever you are at, to get to know your neighbors. Like, I just think all of us need to do more of this, of get to know our neighbors, of do our own inner work, of bringing more diversity, of creating more spaciousness for different points of view, of really looking at what's our ecosystem. Mm-hmm. I really consciously a while ago, just with social media, started following people, like finding who are people that I would not have been thought, thought of instead of following people that are like me, let me find follow people that are really different than me. And it's been really helpful to like change the ecosystem of what I was looking at. So instead of I'm looking at white spiritual teachers, women spiritual teachers, my feed now is very diverse with a lot of different voices and a lot of different experiences. So like there's that cultivating of our own soil mm. so that we can become more resilient where we're at. And then if anybody feels like inspired by the story and wants to help with restoration hands-on, we are doing hands-on. I am literally making seed balls out of clay and seeds and we'll be putting them out on the land. The The Center for Creative Intent is our nonprofit organization and we have lots of ways people can engage and donate and send prayers to the land. So that is one place to play. I love that. As a microcosm of the macrocosm beautiful i love that okay well and i'll be sure to put these links in the show notes heather ash is there anything that i have not asked you that you wish i had not that i can think of it's been such a good interview it's been so wonderful to get to share a little bit about this experience the impact and the beauty of all of it so yeah just thank you so much for your question your great questions and also your beautiful reflections of how do we dance with all of it yeah how do we dance with all of it and of course i think just like any conversation what i'm realizing is that it's a co-creative process and and it we only have to come to the dance knowing that we only have to take the first step you know and then it, you know, somebody meets us in it and there's a call and response. And sometimes when there's nobody there to know that there is still this other world that we get to co-create with all the time, this imaginal world. You know, I was taking a little bit of time before we had our talk and I was taking a minute to look at this creative intent like I was like okay well so what does it mean to create and then what does it mean to intend and so it was like this action of bringing something into existence the act of bringing something from the imaginal realm into the world of matter and then intention being a resolution or determination the internal content of a concept an idea that you perceive and want to bring into, again, the material world. So here we have these two together that are just potent. And so I think that as we drop from our heads into our hearts, from the trance place into the creation place, this is where we can really connect to what matters. 
And, and so my final question is, what does revelation mean to you? <laughs> it means a full body, heart, spirit, grounded opening into possibility Ooh. and a simultaneous shattering of what we thought we knew. Doesn't matter how many times I ask that question, I can't believe how many brilliant, beautiful, provocative answers I get. Like, that was so gorgeous. Thank you. I love the simultaneous shattering because it's true. You know, there's this way that a revelation occurs, like this just full body understanding at this deeper level that shatters what you thought you knew. And then you realize how much you don't know and how much that's actually just such a beautiful thing that the not knowing is actually so liberating because that's when we come back into the oracle of the innocence of the inner child. And it's just... That's when everything is just filled with awe again. Well, thank you so much for a beautiful conversation. I brag I've waited a long time for this conversation, and I never gave up hope that it would happen. And so thank you. It's just such a deep honor to have you. I, As I mentioned to you before this episode, your name comes up everywhere. And so, and everyone has said what a warm, wonderful, wise woman you are. And now I get to say the same. It's just been a total honor and a pleasure to speak with you and co-create with you today. Thank you for your work in the world. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Monica. Appreciate it. And for my listener, I'll be sure to put all of Heather Ash's incredible links and what she's up to in the show notes, along with her books and the Center for Creative Intent in case you want to join in, contribute, or even be hands-on. So until next time, more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.